so much for joining us for another week of Sluts and Scholars. We hope you enjoy the episode. Remember that you can follow us and see all of our upcoming news and episodes on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, and please email us with your questions and wonderings at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Oh my God, wait. I don't know if we should start or if I should show you pterodactyl porn first. Yes. (laughs) Yes to both. Is it um, like it's anime? No, it's live action. No way. <laughs> Can you describe what you're watching for us? <laughs> we don't show this to all our guests, we promise. I feel like if I can Everything make Everything really exists. <laughs> I feel like if we Look, can make their wings. your so jaw good. drop, like then this I, is impressive. Yeah, I'm honored. I want She's okay. into it. So we're watching two pterodactyls. This looks Gangbang. Three pterodactyls gangbang. Wait, it's so short. Well, I just clicked the short version. Oh, there's more. Attack of the flying lizard. Pterodactyl porn complete. 16 minutes. I don't know if we're going to do the whole thing. No, no, no. We don't have time for the whole thing. When they were (laughs) flapping their wings, they weren't very excited. (laughs) They look like they're trying. It kind of looks like like an outtake from the labyrinth. Oh, no, not labyrinth. Dark crystal. Oh, okay. Way worse. (gasps) They're making bird noises. This is pretty good. I feel like if they could have better alien porn, I would be happy. You like I alien wonder porn? who yeah. started this. They must. I think it's you have so to funny have though because the they're in a f- fetish for this to be able to create this. Wait, look at the comments. My favorite is reading comments on Pornhub. Do you read comments, the comments? anywhere? The comments, comments on anywhere. Pornhub are so good. People say the funniest shit. What the actual fuck did I just watch? <laughs> this is better than what I imagined. <laughs> no I will no longer go. have to fap to dinosaur uh, books. <laughs> Okay. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. We watch terrible, tantalizing pterodactyl porn with Sasha Gray. I'm Simone. And I'm Nicoletta. And as Simone just said, this week we have Sasha Gray. She first made her name as one of the most notorious adult film stars in recent history. But with a no regrets attitude, she moved on from her former career in 2009 at age 21 and is a total fucking renaissance woman. Uh, she has gone on to star in HBO's Entourage, published uh, Noya. Is it Noya Sex or New Sex? Noi. You can say both. Noi Sex. It's spelled like Neu. I should yes. know this because I'm Austrian. Um, a book of photographs and DJs internationally. In 2013, <laughs> she published her first novel, The Internationally Successful uh, Juliet Society. And her third novel, The Juliet Society 3, The Mismade Girl, will be released next week by Kleist Press um, on the 13th. So get excited. Ooh, Yay. next week. Hi. Hi. Hello. We're Thank so you. happy you're here. Wait, one thing I'm so interested in, it said notorious. Well, how do you feel about that word notorious? No, no, notorious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that I would be considered so notorious if I hadn't started in porn at a young age. Which was 18, right? You started yeah. like as soon as you could? Exactly. That's so interesting. So I think that's a, that's a part of the allure and shock for some people. Not for all, but for some. So can you tell us what to expect about your book for people listening? Oh, yeah. So this is... Because this is a third part in a th- three-part series, or will there be, will there be more? No, this is it. Does she keep coming? Fin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you have to read book two, yes, uh, for that part. Um, the Juliet Society, the first book I published in... Well, you just said that, but I published the first book in 2013 uh, with the idea of doing a trilogy. So I went into it knowing that's what I wanted to do. Inspiration from, like, Lord of the Rings or... <laughs> Actually, no, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All good things are trilogies. Yeah, true. Fifty Shades of Grey. No, take that back. <laughs> there must be an exception to make a rule. I would hope this would be the new Fifty Shades. Oh. Well, that was kind of one part of this was that um, I have or had when I was still in porn. I had a lot of female fans who would come to me and say, or write to me when I would still have time to answer a lot of, like, fan mail and use MySpace and things like that when MySpace was still a thing or Twitter um, in its early days. They would write to me and say things like, I really enjoy your perspective and your outlook, and I have nothing against porn or watching it. It's just really not for me. Hmm. But I'm really into the same things you're into, and so I want to hear more about, you know, what kind of stories could you tell? Oh. We want to hear your fantasies in a different way in a different format and so so are you writing your fantasies or do you feel like you're writing fantasies that other people it's a bit of it's a bit of both throughout 
I, I think the most important thing that is difficult to get across when you're dealing with so many different people uh, and a lot of bureaucracy can go down is it, in terms of marketing and publicity and everybody has their own take on how they want to spin you or spin your project. Mm-hmm. Um, the really important thing for me was at the time, Fifty Shades of Grey had just come out and a lot of people were confusing it with me. And so... You mean confusing Fifty Shades of Grey with yeah, your book? Associating it with me. Because Christian yeah. Grey? Because of Grey. And I had... Oh! I, it did, just, it I happened, literally yeah. didn't even think. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> it happened, and it just so happened at the time, I had like a section on my old website that was called Shades of Grey. I was doing a lot of press during that period, and people would sort of use this thing. That they and thought I was often about referred you. to... Gray, the inspiration for choosing Gray as a stage name is partly an homage to the Kinsey Gray scale of sexuality. So it's just all of yes. these things that people associated me with this book. And so it was something I, I really couldn't avoid. Uh-huh. And, um, and so in getting, in getting across my inspiration or my feelings towards writing this kind of material, because I had been approached to do this when I was still in the adult industry, and I didn't think it was the right time. I thought it was too easy. I thought it would be a gimmick. I'm, so I am glad I waited for that reason. Um, so back to my point, which is I wanted this series, A, to be a reaction, not just to what I was seeing, but to what I was hearing from women, and be able to be a story that represented my generation. And I surprisingly learned that like it actually touched many women um, mm. From older generations. <laughs> sorry, mm. sorry. Yes. And women it's who are touching themselves. Uh, yeah. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, but B, also, uh, sort of, it w- for me at least, it was an homage to um, classic erotic literature. And mm-hmm. I say that because a lot of people have this idea of erotica and um, an opinion on erotica. And erotica is legitimate and porn isn't. And and I, I hate those distinctions. That's such a weird dichotomy. Where do you think mm-hmm. that comes from? Well, it seems like it comes supposed from to be that. a justification yeah. of right. like moral who who lies on on the correct side of being moral morally superior. Right. And that's something that I've always fought against. You I'll mentioned continue. that um, it felt like it was too easy when you were in it, and mm-hmm. I've noticed that as you're maybe doing other things after porn now, there seems to be a big like separation or distinction that you're wanting. From the industry, um, how oh, yeah. come? That's that's a loaded question. That would take a <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, well, we have time. A, yeah, that. Well, let's see. I think the biggest thing would have to be that when I left the industry, I didn't plan it, and so it wasn't really an act. What was the impetus? It wasn't really an active decision. Basically, what happened is I I started a company mm-hmm. uh, with an old business partner and. Within three months of nonstop production, and which you know, I didn't have like a team of people helping me. I was doing everything, sleeping three hours a night, and, and this was for a porn production yes. company. And so we, me and my old business partner, went into it together. And uh, within three months, it failed, and it was my first big Ooh. failure. Mm. That's rough. And but you were, you were, were you were really young, right? When was this? I. 21. Wow. And, and it failed how? Like you like you couldn't make money from it? or um, One day I'll probably like spill all okay. of the beans, but I don't like gossip. Um, but really, it, it was not the, yeah, personality differences, my balls, but it, it just wasn't turning, <laughs> you know, basically. What do they say in divorces in Hollywood were irreconcilable Amicable. differences? Oh, Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, basically he talked the talk but didn't walk the walk. And I had my own vision for what I wanted to do, and um, he didn't agree with that. So at that time, I—and that's a little bit of a misconception, because at the time when I was in the industry, I was actively um, making music. I was always doing other things, and I think a big thing for me was actually not separating those things, because I hate having these—I hate boundaries. I mean, boundaries are good in some cases, but I hate being placed in a box. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was always very important to shed a positive light on the industry. And unfortunately, those stories don't get told enough. Mm. A lot of times the industry is looked at only through 
a negative lens and negative narrative. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in the industry, I really did try to um, keep push that. Yeah, and, and show like, look, I can do this. I can do this and I can do this. And I, hey, I can be doing porn at the same time. So when I left, I think I was just really frustrated. Mm. I had... I was disappointed. And it obviously. sounds like maybe you didn't want to speak negatively on the industry because of the stigma that's already. Yeah, it just wasn't it. like like what is gossiping about my ex business partner really going to do? That's not. Mm-hmm. It's just fodder. It's not relevant. Uh, he didn't abuse me. You know, he took advantage of me monetarily, but you think there that was, was in nothing part else because you were like so young and a woman that there was an element of being taken advantage of in a business sense. For sure, but I think it can still happen. I mean, look, I mean, obviously I it happened to anybody, but yeah. I'm just and thinking. I, I could have I done more to react towards what happened, but I didn't. I just felt like it would have sucked me into an uncreative space mm. and wasted my time. And mm-hmm. I had so many other positive things going on at that point. I was coming off of doing my first independent film. I was making, like I said, I was making music. I was, and I still am doing photography. So I had so many other good things going on. I didn't want it to take me. You want to release what didn't serve you, basically. In keeping with the positive parts, what are some of the things that you feel like are the best things that you took from your experience in porn? I think having these challenges of of being a young woman Mm -hmm. in the industry. failing. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so many people have said this, but you really do have to fail in life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was, in the end, it served me well to learn from that experience. But being in the industry, I, it really gave me a strong backbone to deal with people in life. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, it's not like Hollywood. It's not like other industries, um, entertainment industries, where you have a team of people surrounding you. Um, Helping you, you, telling you what to do. That, that structure just doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. And so I was forced really to, to really grow. For yeah, and and stand up for myself when I needed to. And so I think learning those things early on and having the confidence to know my worth and keep my chin up when people would because this is what often happens. It's funny. I was just reading this, I forget the name of it, but it was um it was Penthouse's women's magazine that was short-lived. I forget the name, but I was reading an article. I hadn't even heard of that. I yeah, wish I it was either. still happening. And it's beautiful, and it was actually beautiful when you look at the photos, but I open the page, and I am reading a quote from a woman. I don't know if she was, I think she was just a nude model, but I'm not sure. Maybe she was actually um, a porn star, but I'm in the middle of the article. I got interrupted, so I didn't get to finish it, but she's talking about this idea that because you're getting paid to have sex on camera means you can't enjoy it and that you're a Mm. phony. And she said she finds herself getting along better with women than she does men. And I was like, that's so weird. And I got interrupted. I wanted to finish reading it. But there is this, there is something that happens when you're a woman in the industry. And I think a lot of women could relate to this um, outside of the adult industry. But when you have to negotiate for yourself and nobody's doing it for you, people try to use your sex or your age against you mm-hmm. quite often. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, that's that's an issue that's, like I said, it's not just particular to the adult industry. But, For yeah, sure. I learned, you know, I learned to to really, like I said, have a strong backbone because of that. But To advocate for yourself. Yeah. You just said something super interesting about this quotation from this woman about um, you can't enjoy it if you're getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. But you were kind of known for, like, Seeming like you were enjoying every fucking thing that you yeah, were and doing. Yeah, you were right? a great actor, but and it was maybe very you're, believable. For sure. And so, like, do you, d- does that resonate with you that, like, maybe you weren't entirely enjoying it, but it was kind of part of a grander scheme of things of, like, ruling an industry or yeah, like, making did it a fuck take ton away of money? Any of the enjoyment because it was monetized for you? No. I think, actually, on the contrary, because I, I was so aware of that. Mm hmm. That I aware of what like aware of this idea that okay because a lot of people would use anymore yeah a lot of people would use this analogy especially when I started in the industry oh well 
do you still like sex? Do you, you know, it's like a masseuse. Does she really want to go home and, like, have her friend or her lover ask her for a massage? Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I feel about therapy because people are often like, oh, well, you shouldn't be acting this way. You're a therapist. Shouldn't you know better? And I'm like, well, I get paid to do this during the day, and then I come home, and I want to fucking relax. Interesting. Right. But you don't feel that doesn't resonate with you. No, well, I—, I I never wanted to fit into that trap. And mm-hmm. I knew, and I actually had John Stelliano, who's a legend in the industry. Yeah. He, he actually did your first me, film, right? Yes. He, he directed it. Did a lot of research on it. <laughs> Stelliano? Like Stallion? <laughs> Maybe. It's an Italian. No, Stelliano. There's a yeah. G in there. Yes. If you, if you pronounce <laughs> it with an American stallion, accent, the Stallion be, connection. It would be John Stagliano. Stagliano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he actually told me very early on the second you get tired of this, Interesting. Don't get burned out. Like, don't hate it. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, it is. It was but interesting. I think that- and I, at the time, I was like, what do you mean? It was my first month. Like, everything is so new, so You're fresh. Like, I could never get tired of it. It's like a new, you know, it's like a, a new uh, sexual relationship or a new relationship in general. Like, everything is so intense and uh-huh. exciting. So I was really aware of that. And I, so you, I learned to pace myself. Mm-hmm. And I also. You mean, like, not shoot as much? Or pace yeah. yourself more, like, yeah. emotionally, like, energetically. All of it. All of the above. So when I would go on set, I would always actually masturbate before I shot a scene. Because, really? of course, like, everybody, a lot of people's complaints about porn is that people say, it's so unrealistic. Of course it's unrealistic. But that's a problem we don't talk about enough. Uh-huh. We, we don't talk about that you know, here a lot. So, so you were yeah, like, sure you were, like, pleasured going into yes, it? So of that, course. But what was the point of that for you? Because it is unrealistic to just arrive spread yourself and be like, yeah, I'm ready. Like, Fuck me. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to take responsibility you know, and get myself ready. Yeah, women, you know, women's bodies function differently. It so would you not. masturbate to the point of coming or just no. to get yourself excited? No, oh. just to get excited, yeah. I, I thought you were that. saying, I think, because like for me personally, like once the first orgasm can like take a while, but then once I have one, I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And <laughs> I'm more like a one and done I, person, I can, like, you lucky bitch. go. So I wasn't like, I guess if, if I were going to like shoot porn, I would probably totally jill off first and then, and I would like come for real. Did yeah. you say Joe off? Jill off. Jill. Like Jack, Jack off and Jill off. Jill you know. I like this. I, I like that. I've never heard that. Really? I feel like yeah. I said that to you before. Jill I feel off. like uh, there's so many things that I forget. I it's need okay. to remember. So you would masturbate for more to like get into the mood. Get into the mood yes. or get interested, get become aroused. Yes. I think that's so smart. Did you do that on your first shoot? Or is that something that you realized you would benefit from? Uh not on the first shoot, but definitely in the first month or two. Yeah. yeah. So- I hate harping on the idea that, like, someone gets into something when they're so young because I'm someone who feels— I mean, we've talked about age a lot in our yeah. podcast. Like, age is a number, and there's so much more about life experiences. But as someone who's known for, quote-unquote, being in it when you were young, mm-hmm. like, it sounds like you had a really good sense of self. And I'm wondering how you went from, like, learning some sex things from a partner to being a Spiegler girl. Like, how did you, how did you get there? That was actually really luck. I have to say, luck and determination and the will. Um, but I'm lucky that I found somebody who's really responsible and respectful mm-hmm. of the people he works with. So I, and he loves to tell this story. I wish he was here right now just to tell this part because he's much better at doing it than I am. Who are you talking about? Uh, my old agent, he, okay. my porn agent. Uh-huh. Um, so I had sent several emails. And this is Spieler? Yeah. Got it. I'd and for those of you who don't know, like, Spiegler is, like, the porn agent. Like, being a Spiegler girl is being repped, like, by UTA or CAA. It's a very big fucking deal. Go ahead. So he, I'd sent out several emails to different, I'd, I had all this research, like, of who's I'm who so and what's what. I'm so impressed how you, like, found porn agents. <laughs> I know, like, I almost want to know, like, I want to hear the story, but I almost want to know what happened before that. Yeah. To allow you to be like, you know, I'm going to do this, and I feel confident, and. I, well, there's probably a lot of things leading up to it, but I was the last of my friends to lose their virginity, my close friends at least. Interesting. And Same. How old were you? I was almost 17, so okay. like just on the brink. I was a senior. So you went from that to the next year, like, like a year and a <gasps> half. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a, year and a, a half, lot of experience yeah. in a year. But I had, I had a lot of pent-up fantasies and things that I wanted to try and do and explore. And mm-hmm. it was really difficult talking about those things even Just to people who were close. 17-year-old boys. <laughs> or, yeah, or even people that were close to me. And I would never trust a place like Craigslist because that was pretty popular at the time. But to, did like, you go look on it? People. 
Because yeah. I know that I, I've had like pent up fantasies and I like went on Craigslist and like saw, I, like I love reading the casual encounters on Craigslist. Yeah. It's like a fun thing it's, to and do. It's kind of validating and then I realizing too to be yeah. like, oh, there's some other fucked up fun people who are in yeah. the same for shit sure, that I For sure, for sure. But I definitely had a period in my life where it was more than fun, where I like was actually contemplating meeting up with these people that were describing these like things that I wanted done to me that they wanted to do. Right. But I, I like got scared and I even. Yeah, there was con- no way. There was no way. But and yeah. then I was like, how do you find these people? And I even contemplated like, going into porn to like try to experience these things that I want to experience because that is a very safe space to say like I want to get fucked like this or I want you to slap me or something like that exactly and it it is and I have to say it is it is how I was able to find a safe space to explore my fantasies and also because I grew up being very ashamed and insecure of these fantasies nobody I, I had nobody to talk to them about if I tried to address these things with my mother, for instance, it was impossible. Like, what did you try to bring um, up? I think the first thing, so, well, sex in general. Like, sex is mm-hmm. a taboo. So sex wasn't so, talked about at Like, home. sex, you, you do not speak about sex to anybody else except your husband. Wow. And was this like, a religious, a cultural? Religious. Mm-hmm. But it was very conflicting because then I had my dad on the other side who was <laughs> not religious <laughs> and, you know, kind of, not literally, but beat into my head that like, don't ever trust boys, don't ever trust men. <laughs> All they want is to get in your pants. So, but then it's like, but what is that thing? Like, what is that thing? And what why does it mean? are they? Why do they want to get in my pants? No, not why. Of course oh. I knew. Oh, you know. But it's like, you know, <laughs> like, my dad. Have you seen me? <laughs> you know, my dad was telling me the honest truth, but at the same time, I didn't feel comfortable asking my dad about sex advice or you know. It's His a, was more of just like a warning. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so these two very different viewpoints. Um, it's confusing, yeah. For, especially for somebody who hasn't experienced, who is sexually inexperienced. Uh, so, what was your question? Well, trying to—I was asking what kind of things you had brought up and been shut down because oh, okay. you had made me feel very ashamed. Well, yeah. So I'm curious if you ever tried <laughs> I mean, to tell you a story. Topic. I'll tell you a story. I had—I might have told this story before, but I don't remember. I had a fantasy. No idea where or how I had this fantasy. I was very young. I told my best friend, it was a BDSM fantasy, and she was freaked out. Like, mm. I, at this point, I had never seen, I hadn't even seen Playboy yet. You know what I mean? Like, I, every kid has that time and, and that memory of, okay, I remember the first time I saw a nude magazine, the first time I saw a flash of porn Sounds flipping like through channels. Sounds like you had a really creative fantasy life. Yeah, but that's really weird, and people aren't, in most people's minds, like, a I think Child. it's not that I was weird, say, though. People just don't we talk just about don't it. talk about like kids we are hyper. Kids are very sexual beings. Like yeah, we've I talked too about had some funny fantasies on here, not, and not only funny, like intense, like yeah. like similar like BDSM fantasies as a young person, as a yeah. kid, and like that happens, and we have this like serious issue with acknowledging that children do have sexual. Feelings. Actually, yeah, I wrote like very briefly, but I wrote about this in my photography book because mm-hmm. there's little essays accompanied. Um, with the photos, but I forget the name of the professor, but he he stated the same thing. People have a very hard time researching childhood sexuality unless it's through the lens of abuse. Those were the yeah. more or less the words That's he used. That's very and, true. And it, and it just validated so much for me when, when I was doing my research and writing these essays. Um, yeah. That really hit close to home for me wow. because when I told your best friend. My friend, she went and told my parents. Because <gasps> she was concerned? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, like... How old are we talking here? Five, probably. Oh, wow. And so... And so they're like, who's abusing our child? Right. Interesting. I mean, that did not come up, but now, as time has passed, I understand that's, that's probably what the perspective was. But that, that is the first time I remember having shame. Because they were because told I was it was wrong? It. Yeah, I was like, so you can't, you're to- not allowed... You're not allowed to have those fantasies Thoughts? or dreams. Like, it was a dream. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was a but trying to dream. control your fantasies yeah, like, is you can't ridiculous. Can't. It's going to come so, up, but now you're just feeling worse wow. about it. Yeah. So that's like the first time I they, like, can sat you down really and they were like, not okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is, I mean, I think that that's so obviously just specific to your life, but also not at all. Like, I think a lot of us, and I probably don't even remember these instances where we're trying to have a con- we we, are, we don't yet know that sex is wrong 
Right. And so we have yeah, we say like, something, something or do something sexual and we're immediately like slapped on the hand. Right. Or that's not how I was brought up at all. Like my Same. parents were very good about we're talking about lucky. sex that's and like great. saying but like that's rare. it's okay to touch yeah. yourself, but maybe don't do it at nap time. Like things like that. <laughs> I've had to have that conversation with kids that I've worked with. <laughs> but yeah, that was very like, much. This is something we wait to do later. Can that you bums wait? Me out. So let's just come back to so you had these we knew that you, you knew that you had these fantasies that you had never been able to live out in part because of this childhood shaming experience. And hadn't found a safe way to do it. Yeah, yeah. finding a, a safe environment. But not a lot of people would have that like wherewithal to be like, I want to find a safe way to do this. Like, right. I wonder how you were so. Well, I was I watching don't know, porn. No. <laughs> No, and I no, didn't know, like, not I didn't to know, know about some... that, but to know, like, I want to find a safe way because a lot right. of people would do the Craigslist route, especially if they're feeling ashamed. Right? Really? Yeah. You think so? Maybe I guess. Yeah. No, and I mean, like I guess, you, I, guess... I did look into it, yeah, and, and I, I was just, just like, this not... is not something didn't that feel good. Right. I, I, I was just too scared. Yeah. I felt like same. It's either... not necessarily like what wisdom of like I need to be safe. It's more like instinct of like not right. a good idea and this is and going into porn you like have seen the videos in the past so you know what they're gonna do and you can say right. that that not that or whatever right. so yeah I so partly to live out and explore my fantasies but also to encourage other men and women to not be ashamed of their sexuality and to be proud of it and to claim it and to own it and use this industry and my body is sort of a canvas and make a statement and try and bring something different and artistic to it. Because again, going back to this idea that it's so rare we hear positive stories coming from the industry mm-hmm. when they could be told. Mm-hmm. So you were like, I'm going to do this and you did your research on Asia agents and you sent out pictures. What kind of pictures were they Pictures. Pictures. See, like, they, like fun little headshots. Kind of Did you have to show what kind of vulva in them? Picture, like, picture. I just want to know. Yeah, like what, is, what was the process like? Well, I looked at a lot of industry uh, agency websites. So I kind of got, okay, it's front, back, side, side, stick your hip out. Uh, even though I've never modeled in my life. So I had a friend take some nude photos and then some in lingerie. And How did you pick that friend? Like how were you sure that that person was a safe person to go to? For this, or did they know what it was for? Yes. And so I, I took those pictures. I really thought about, I, I went into it sort of like, actually with a business state of mind, like, okay, what is my mission here? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what if somebody asked me, what is my mission here? So I just wrote this, I just wrote it out. And I was like, that's perfect. And Do you have that? I don't it have does? it with me now. That's why I said <laughs> I wish Spiegel was here because he actually keeps it. He has it oh, like has readily it. available. Yeah. So he reads that to people. It's and funny. so, you, oh, you sent that. So I sent that out with oh, the Oh, your cover letter. It was basically a cover letter. Yes. I love a porn it. cover letter. Do you know like, what you were alluding to? Like, did you what say we stuff just about your canvas about? and what we just talked about, okay. more or less? And, uh, and I sent that out along with the photos to several different agencies and. I had a few responses like, that's not really what we're looking for because I was scrawny and didn't have boobs and, you know, didn't know how to do my makeup. And mm-hmm. So wasn't the, I wasn't the mold they were looking for. And some people email me back. Um, and it, But every time, and so going back to Instinct, actually, Spiegler was the first person to pick up the phone and call me because I left my number in the signature. So he's the first person so to pick up the directly. phone. called you directly. And I was like, that's, that, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. And it's funny maybe to think about that now because we didn't have smartphones then. It's like now nobody picks up the phone and talks anymore. But it so is it's a kind big of, deal to make that like phone. I love when connection. I get phone calls. And yeah. so at the time it was really weird good. nobody did pick up the phone because yeah. it was still, you know, we, we weren't where we are now with, with technology. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was like, okay, that, that showed me a different level of professionalism. And uh, so I met with him and that was And the, he signed you without credits. He was yeah, like, he said, he, well, when we talked to the phone, he said, if you're really this hot and you have your own car and a cell phone, you're going to be good to go. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> I love that. And, and then, then you were, you drove to L.A. because you're from Sacramento, right? Yes. Drove to L.A. and Almost your died. car and your cell phone. Almost died. What? Almost on the drive down? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. My, the world would be totally my, fucking different. My U-Haul was breaking down. And I was on the five, and there's all these big rigs, like, yeah, yeah, it's really scary. Almost slamming into me. It was was scary. But you didn't die. 
didn't because you're here. <laughs> Obviously, good, right? Good I don't know. assessment, <laughs> doctor. I'm a scholar. <laughs> okay, so there, there's a question that I feel like we have to ask, and you obviously don't have to answer, but I feel like there's this, whether it's a myth or not, of like, oh, in your first porn, oh, you yeah. ask somebody to like punch you in the stomach, and there's like, there's this question of like, did this happen? Did this not happen? First of all, I think it's interesting of like, why do people care so much? Um, like. If someone asked that, like, why are we making such a big deal about it? Right. Um, so that's one question. But another of, like, did this happen? And why are people making such a fuss about this? I'm glad you bring that up because a lot of people don't talk about it and then talk about it later without me. I'm like, you could have fucking asked me. Wait. Um, like really? In the past, not recently. What but do you in think the they're past. worried? I mean, the, be- the worst you could say is, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't know why. So I wish I could get into people's anyway, minds. Maybe because they want, they want to put their own narrative on. You know, they want to put their oh, own spin that. on. Oh, fuck that. We want your narrative. We want your narrative. I mean, I said I wanted to use my body as a canvas and and really make this art, and you can take what you want away from that. But a lot of artists and people that I look up to, um, they use shock value. They use their sexuality um, to communicate what they want to communicate. And so here I was in a room full of the biggest performers in the industry at that time. Literally, like the and big dick dude. Rocco. Rocco Sifredi. Who we yeah. met recently at AVN. We met him at AVN. I freaked the went? fuck out. We went <laughs> yeah. to AVN. Yeah, they gave us For press passes. Oh, cool. It was incredible. Well, Simone but you went to the convention or you went to the awards? Not the, the awards, just the convention. Okay. Well, we Simone was really special. excited because we saw Rocco and she was like, I feel like this was like a household name because she grew up in France. Um, and she yeah. was like, oh, I wow. know you when I was cool. like a little girl. So I, thought I grew I up knew and you. I saw I, know, I was like, what is that French accent? Oh, yeah, because I know he's Italian, not French, but like. <laughs> he speaks French. I, he does. We spoke French. <laughs> she <laughs> knows she's very excited. Um, she got wet, for sure. <laughs> 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 she's probably wet right now thinking about so, it. So, <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to say is no, for me growing up in France, like, that was always the name that was, like, mentioned, like, if someone had a big dick or, like, what a big dick was. It was like, oh, c'est Rocco Sifredi. Or, like, you drew a big dick, it would be Rocco Sifredi. And I literally hadn't thought about this man in easily 10 or 15 years. Like, this is when I was, like, 11. And we would we, we were at the convention, and there was a picture of a guy, and it was for the satisfier for men. It said Rocco Sifredi. And I was like, who's that? And then I said it in Rocco Sifredi, and I was like, <laughs> freaked out and so then She's it was all the cooler excited. when I was researching you that you did your first scene with that's Sifredi. hilarious yeah we were very excited wow. so like yeah talk now back to you back to your narrative <laughs> Simone narrative done um <laughs> sorry uh, you got distracted thinking of Zoe yeah. freaking fangirling <laughs> over Rocco um so yeah so this was my first scene and uh and the best way to describe it is that it was improvisational fantasy. So you can have a fantasy that you don't want to act out on, but you can talk about it. That's what dirty talk is. And so yeah. in that moment, you know, going back, like thinking about this topic that is very um, relevant right now, this idea of power, I wanted to have the power and I wanted to have the control in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and so we were exchanging dirty talk, not things we were actually doing. This is like while you and, were shooting? Yeah. And and then I said, yeah, I want you to punch me in my fucking stomach. And his face dropped, and he like paused for a second. But again, it wasn't saying do it. It wasn't saying do it now. Uh-huh. And, and so I think that's, of course, that's a, that's like a dream headline, right? Like, right. This girl, it's an incredible What origin. is wrong with you? But again, like, if I actually wanted that, what's wrong with that? Nothing. I think what well, that's pe- I think what people are freaking yeah. out about is because <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> you're totally fine. <laughs> you're allowed to have bodily functions on our podcast. <laughs> um, but I think why people are would freak out about it is a we have issues with women taking control of their own sexuality first of all, mm-hmm. and you are very much doing that and saying I want you to punch me in the fucking stomach. I think mm-hmm. is very much taking your own agency. We have issues with women doing that. We have issues with young people doing mm-hmm. that, and I think it probably was major cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. to hear such a uh, self-aware and to believe someone that that was something they were confident saying. But I, right. I think you made a good difference too between fantasy and reality right like sometimes we like to talk i mean maybe you did want that in reality but like it's okay to have a fantasy that you never act on of course right. and even use dirty talk to talk about wait right. did he do it 
No, that's and that's the point. Like the, the I whole remember, exchange I, we were. I tried to find this video because it was like the thing. Like yeah. she said, she wanted to be punched in the stomach. So I was like trying to find this video, and I felt bad because I was on Pornhub, and I don't like to steal porn. But um, I was like trying to find it, and I, like, I kept on like going through. No, I do the I do the right thing. I I I will watch my free trailers on official websites. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> but. <laughs> Whatever. Don't laugh at me, Sasha. That's very Uh, ethical. But anyway, I was like, I was like scrubbing through the video, like trying to find moments where it was just you and Rocco, like trying to see this mythical interaction, and and I could not find it. Yes. So it did not happen. It did not happen, but you did say it, and people freaked out. But that's. I'm pretty sure the first time I told this story, I even made that clear. And then it was just cut out to say, you know. But that's how where, where society shapes becomes, narrative. Yeah, and and that's where fantasy became reality for some people. Why but it's also think- an incredible origin story for mm. Sasha Gray, the porn star, <laughs> right? It is though. Like yeah. I like that that snowballing and like societal transformation of your not- narrative into right. this thing is what made you become this this right. superstar. Do you think that's why? And I don't know if you and f- your talent and hard work. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you feel like. Because people maybe say that you're a private person. I don't know if mm-hmm. you feel like you're a private person, but does it feel like it's that might just be something you want to do? But I wonder if there's a part that wants to stay private because then people can put whatever they want on you as their fantasy. So, like, maybe people assume this stuff about the punching because it was how they wanted it to right. pan out and that was exciting for them. And so, if we give people like a blank canvas, then they really get to like put onto us whatever they want. Right. Oh, uh, well, I think that. At that point in time, I don't, I think it was more journalistic fodder more than anything. Mm-hmm. And now, yes, I think most most people that live uh, or have a life where part of their life is in the public eye, of course, there's always that element of leaving some, something up to the imagination, even if they've seen it all. Mm-hmm. So leaving it more for the imagination for the people, not so much something keeping something private for yourself. Uh, I would or say both. both. Yeah, it goes hand in hand, really. In what ways have you strived to like maintain boundaries? I, I think it's... Strove? I don't know. I think it's a... <laughs> I think it's a <laughs> Why you make boundaries? <laughs> Why you make boundaries, ho? <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, it's pretty much what I'm asking. <laughs> not why or what are they? Uh, is there a, is there a conscious decision? And is it hard to uphold them when everyone wants wants a piece? Mm. Well, yeah, I think we're living. We have so much access to information, and I I think there are people that really enjoy to sort of give everything or what they think they're giving. Like everybody talks about this idea of like we project the perfect version of ourselves on social media, mm-hmm. and whether or not you're in the public eye. Um, or an entertainer. And so they're, they're, that's a very real thing. But I do think there's people that sincerely crave and love the attention, mm. and they're willing to share much more than I am, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, they love the fame. They love the attention. And I'm, I'm just naturally a much more reserved person Are until you, you get to know me. So I don't like to so for me, that doesn't work. I don't. Mm-hmm. I like to keep my privacy on on social media, mm-hmm. and when I even when I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say when I first get to know people because I'm sometimes too open <laughs> with people in in conversations. What about but, the things that you're choosing to be open about? Yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I I try and keep my privacy on social media mm-hmm. in day to day interactions. I'm much more open with people. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, and I think that makes and, sense because you're choosing who you're interacting with. Right. As opposed to something being publicly available for consumption and distortion. Exactly. And and I think a lot of that just comes with my own experiences and some of those experiences being not so great and mm-hmm. also having stalkers and having to live Ooh. with that. And and so have you that's had a, a lot tough, of that's a tough one for me, yeah. And it's funny because people always have this misconception. I used to get asked this a lot when I was still in the industry, like Oh, you must have really creepy fans. They must be so gross. Like, no, actually, most fans are really, for the most part, very respectful mm-hmm. and and nice. That's good to hear. Um, but there are a couple that have been. But they're not scary. fans. They're not fans. Those are that's not a fan. They're not is. fans because a fan likes you as a person. Yeah. And respects and that you're a human being. Most of them are very anti-porn. What would you? Um, <laughs> so that's what would you call them yeah. if they're not fans? Well, if they were, Stalkers. maybe some of them were. Yeah. I would say disgruntled fan. Um, but others are just people that are anti-porn. Mm. 
What kind, would you want to share any of those experiences, or would you rather? Not really, because I don't like to give those people attention. That makes yeah. total sense. Yeah, fuck that. They don't get any time yeah. on our podcast. Um, there's something that I'm curious about. Um, unless I see you have notes and stuff. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure that we talk about? I just about? brought this because this what is. What this means is this moleskin notebook that she carries with her all over the place. <laughs> so she is. Wait, is this is this actually moleskin? Okay. Oh, damn it. This one is. It is. <laughs> I knew it. Like, damn, I'm I that know right my now. notebook, it is. girl. I know I my I got notebooks. This, oh, it's the airport thing, yeah. <laughs> um, and I know, but you just, obviously, you came prepared to be on Sluts and Scholars, and I want to make sure that we're addressing everything. Well, I just didn't know, quite often when, when I do interviews, and you, and you see this a lot, I don't know if you ever read interviews of other artists, but sometimes it feels like you're um, like a goldfish in a small bowl, you know? And, you and then more? I feel very... Like forgetful? I just, <laughs> no, not forgetful, no. but I, it, it's almost like when you're in these, none of these interactions are really natural, right? Like when you go to do an interview, it's never really natural. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I get annoyed listening to myself because I'm talking about myself so much. But that's why I'm there. The people want uh-huh. to hear the story. And, or, you know, it's like a story I've told. Like we've talked about things that I've talked about a lot. Yeah. But it's like there's always going, so I, I always have to remind myself, okay, there's always going to be the person that has never heard of me. So there's probably going to be somebody listening to this podcast that has never heard of me before. And so they're going to have these questions and we answer them. Mm-hmm. So I always have to remind myself of that. But yeah. I also, because I did know it was um, a particular podcast, like if certain things came up, I wanted, I wrote things down, just things that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, we don't have to go into them, but it was but just like if, glad if, something was yeah, triggered, if something was triggered, I want to be able to say, okay, I want to I talk about this because it's something that, um, what have you been thinking a lot about lately? Well, it's like this. Okay, it goes, there's so many things. But with all of the Me Too and Time's Up moment, um, mm-hmm. movements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this has been really paramount on our, on our podcast for obvious reasons. Yeah, and like this idea of, of power and control and manipulation. Um, there, while I stand by these movements um, and I support them, and I've been following them uh, from the beginning. There's this part of me, and this is like the cynic, the cynic in me, that is afraid this message isn't being, it's not reaching everybody. Mm. And there's also this part of me that I want to know and talk with other people about the other side of the coin, which is what about the people that, that men, women, no, that not, the, I mean, that they perpetuate this behavior. Mm-hmm. And that's something nobody really s- seems to want to discuss I think or touch on because yeah. it's like, well, if this person did a, the wrong thing, then they should be held accountable. Yes, they should be held accountable. And how do we help educate them right. to not have that happen again? Right. But there are, on the flip side of the coin, there are, are people that they, I'm not going to say they put, the, this is the wrong wording and I don't want this to get twisted in any way, but it's not that they put themselves in a position to be abused. It's the exact opposite. It's that they put themselves in a position where they're willing consensually to, quote unquote, sell themselves to get something in return. Mm. And, and you think people, sorry, go ahead. And so you do have people that are more than willing to exchange uh, sex for something in return, Definitely. and it's consensual. But where does that where's the line line meet the people who are being abused, and how how are those people hurting mm-hmm. the victims? Yeah, you know, because I do think there's something there. I do think that. Well, oh, I think it's tough, and right? Just in, I, and noticing like how careful you are as you're maybe describing your thoughts. I think that just sort of describes where we're all at, that there's so many things that a lot of us are maybe afraid to say because it might be misconstrued mm-hmm. and not wanting right. to be victim-blaming, that, that we end up not having the conversation because if we don't say it just right, exactly. then we get right. framed as a particular kind of person. Right. Right. We're not going to edit what you said, so you're good. But no, I, I think in res- kind of a response, sorry, if you want to add something, go well, for it. Well, it's just this idea that, and I've tried to ask some people, and maybe the thing is we don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. I've tried to ask people, like, what do you think about other women and let's bring up the biggest case because um, it's too obvious to avoid. But in the Weinstein case, of course there's women who fucked him knowingly. Of but course. there were also victims. Mm-hmm. So wait, 
it's just hard. Is How do there we make a way space for both? Because it really is a dog eat dog world. Like people are willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. many things to get ahead. But to, and, to me, for me, the point that you're making, I I understand that. I think the way that I would look at that and and make sense of it would be, um, sure. Maybe, sure, people can be like, I'm going to fuck that old fat guy for a role in a Miramax picture. Mm -hmm. But the way I look at it is rather than look at it anecdotally and like look at that specific person who is maybe Mm -hmm. comfortable with having sex with this man to get ahead in their career, which I think is totally fine to do, is instead looking at it from a more systemic perspective Mm -hmm. and looking at it as what is this world where this person feels like they're only option to move forward is to do this. And if they're okay with it, that's fine. But even knowing that there is a person in a position of power who is willing to accept that from you, then you have to make the choice. Am I someone who is going to do this or not going to do this? Which is not necessarily the industry that you signed up for. And some would ask that, is that a choice then? Like if you're feeling like, hey, I really want this success, but the only way to do it is this. And, and I'm okay sure, with I it. I don't want it, but but that's like saying that like someone's okay between like jumping off this bigger cliff or this smaller cliff. Mm-hmm. If your only options are to jump off a cliff, right? And so right. like that is that really a choice if you're saying, well, this is your only option, hmm. just right. as a I don't know, an addition. That's to an that. interesting perspective too. Yeah, I think this is the side of the conversation that's not happening. And well, I'm glad we're starting it. And mm-hmm. I don't want to. Okay, I saw a comedy show last night. I was telling you guys before I got in, and I, so I don't want to repeat verbatim because. It was a secret show, and, and so I, I want to respect <laughs> that. That these Hi, I'm jokes. Sasha Gray, and I went to a secret comedy yeah. show last night, but no, I can't I mean, tell I you anything about it. it. Was, but no, I'll, I'll tell, tell you, you some stuff, but I won't quote you. I'll tell you who it was. It was, <laughs> fuck you. It was Neil Brennan, and uh, the special guests were Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock. And so a lot of times, com- and a lot of times it was comedians— <laughs> No, it was wonderful. I've never seen—I've um, seen Neil live. I've never seen— um, Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock live, and they're like some of my childhood idols and adulthood idols too. I shouldn't just say childhood, but really, <laughs> you know, I'm sure really it's probably cool reciprocated. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a lot of times at these kind of secret unannounced shows, comedians are working their material, and and this has ha- actually been talked about, like their the new past. material to see how it lands, right? Or just improving and figuring out ideas, and and mm-hmm. and so. I don't want to repeat something because it's like, okay, what if this is a joke in progress? I don't know. But anyways, a lot of people are trying to make a very black and white line um, between like, what about, um, you know, what about the right to be heard? Like you guys are accusing these men and and they're not having their chance um, to really prove themselves innocent until proven guilty. And, and, and that's why it's called time's up because it's like, you know what? Time's up. Nothing's worked. Up until mm-hmm. this point, mm-hmm. to correct this behavior, and also patriarchy gives them space to talk about that shit whenever. So, <laughs> and I mean, so I think yeah, women have had enough, but but I think on I I like the small small part of me understands. Okay, yeah, it is messed up, but you do have to remember going back to power, this idea of power that there are people who target those who are wealthy or. Mm-hmm. Um, have a certain position of power, and they, again, they target them using their sexuality. Oh, I see what okay. you're saying. And so, like, I know that I could position. get this out of. I could get this out of someone if I use yes. this. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I think that definitely coming from as a self-aware person as you, and as sexually confident as you are, and I, and I kind of feel that way too. Like, I feel. Oh yes, go. This is a perfect example. I was out last night. On was it like Sunset Boulevard? It's a Saturday night. There were a good ten girls dressed like they were coming out of a strip club, and they were not strippers. Why? And again, do not fucking twist my words. Anybody listening to this, because I believe that women can wear anything they want, and that's not an excuse to touch them or grab them or treat them a certain way. Preach. But a woman. All of these women were hanging outside of a hotel because they knew. That NBA players were staying there. But also, how is that different at all when I like pull my shirt down a little bit at the bar to get the bartender's attention, right? It's all about it's all about how we can uh, have know our a lot of importance is placed on our sexual worth, right? Right. Like we are 
commodified, yes, but also appreciated or recognized or given gifts. Yeah, and some of us like to use that. Or given preferential treatment because— And sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's nice. Like if you want to cut the line at a club, sometimes it's nice. I will cut the front of the line because you think I'm pretty or something like that, which is— fucked up but whatever there's you know benefits you know I'll take what I can get in this system but um but I just so want is, to this know. is like wondering you what want to know it? like what are they thinking they're gonna get or what is the di- yes so there's always people uh, that oh. will because th- I was just thinking about it like you can use if if you personally right, like the I, idea of fucking an NBA player and you know that you can do that by you know showing off your ass at <laughs> um dad jokes thank you <laughs> thank you thank you mom <laughs> joke but I think she's saying like so let's say an NBA player did come out and then they made a connection and they had sex and then later on she came out and said I didn't want this oh is that what is you're that getting where you're okay that's that's part of it but it's also this idea that we have to remember and this this is separate from abuse, but we have to remember that there always there have always been people that they just want that. Like what you know, you have to be very suspicious. And when you're in a position of power, you're always a little suspicious of like, what does this person want? People's from motives, me? Yeah. for sure, for and sure. So, what are do what you want, you know? But what are you doing out there? I'm actually really curious. What are you? What I mean, are you doing I definitely think that there's an adulation of athletes, and I think that and and rich people, and I think there's an element of uh, I would like to bag a rich, hot guy. And, like, maybe I, maybe, like, these NBA players probably have access to lots of women to fuck, and that doesn't mean that you think you're not going to be different and special. Maybe you, that's what you want, is you want mm-hmm. a very wealthy partner, um, mm-hmm. and that's what you're looking for. Maybe it's that. But th- th- one thing that I was thinking about, maybe it's just the idea that you want a fucking NBA player. Mm-hmm. And so that made well, me Well, that's want- what I'm saying. Hey, if you want to do that, great. But do you feel like that has ever happened to you? Like, people come up to you and, like, want to have sex with you because you're Sasha Gray? Yeah, like, daily, probably. And ha- but, like, I'm, how do you—sorry to, like, change the topic from something really something really serious, from something really serious, but I'm just curious. Like, does, like ha- I'm sure there are people that have hung around areas where you maybe have been being like, maybe she'll want to fuck me. And do you notice that, or am I just inventing this because I— I'm like having because you're thinking that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I also I don't put myself. Um, I always try to surround myself by you know, where I feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I I try and always. I don't really like going places alone. If I'm going out out, um, I always try to have a friend with me. And but I have to say that's also that's an issue for all women. <laughs> you know, that's not wanting to feel safe. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. not. Um, and I think that's something that's been. It, it's been. Like, what are they trying to get out of me by having sex with me, you mean? No, or no, no. I mean, like, hey, feeling what, like people like, just want to fuck you. Yeah, I think that's something that all You're women feeling deal looked with. at. I mean, yeah, I think— Like, that's normal for any woman. But, yeah, especially for women in the entertainment industry, like, like how many—I've witnessed it happen to women. Like, oh, my God, I think you have so much talent. We can really do something together. We should go grab a drink. La, la, la. Like— <laughs> I mean, I know you've talked about all the positives that have come from porn and maybe like what you did get out of it and not wanting to speak negatively about it, but it does sound like there have been some severe consequences for your life. Like what are some things oh, sure. what are some things that have changed and not that you maybe regret doing it, but like what are some things that have made a lasting impression or impact. something we yeah, an impact, something we really focus on at Sluts and Scholars is like how are people judged for their sexuality or their careers and like how has your experiences as a porn performer. And as someone who's, like, consciously departing from the industry. Yeah, like, how has that shaped your life after porn? When I went into the industry, I knew that there was going to be a lot of stigma against me. And that was part of the goal. It was like, hey, let's change this. Mm. Let's show that there can be good, positive things that come out of it. And I think the thing that I learned along the way is is that there are a lot of intelligent, well-rounded people in the industry, and their voices aren't being heard. Mm And so it's it's not that it doesn't exist. It's that the opportunity is lacking for a lot of people. Um, to have their voices heard. Right. And well, so, you are welcome to come on Sluts and Scholars because that's what we try to do. <laughs> so, of course, I could say that um, the stigma that I carry limits me in certain aspects of life. Um, it also helps me. Yeah. Uh, How do you feel it limits you? Because I feel like you have been so hugely successful transitioning And you do out. a lot of, th- of other things. Yeah, but there are still people that— just on a moral, from a moral standpoint, they believe that they're morally superior to me and therefore oh. would rather disassociate themselves with me or not work with me. So um, in the spheres that you're in right now, like your music and 
Yeah, I feel that way less in music, actually, though. Where do you find it most salient? Even though it's, even though, okay, well, but then in music, I'd have to say that music, um, specifically DJing, is really a, a boy's club. Yeah. And so, again, it's like where, you know, I have these opportunities because of who I am, but at the same time, not just being who I am, but being a woman. And mm-hmm. that's like having nothing to do with porn. Mm-hmm. But um, it's interesting because so much of what's going on right now um with the Me Too movement and with our political climate, it's it's this ongoing conflict of like man versus woman where so many people can support politicians who are open about sexual harassment, like 45, um, people who have been accused of child molestation, and yet they still somehow have supporters. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I think about that a lot but because if you did it in like, a well, safe how? and legal way, but you were paid right. for it and it's on video for some reason, it's still completely stigma. different. Right. And so, or you have these, and that's why I'm very optimistic about this this movement right now because now people are finally being called out um, for the non-consensual things they're doing. And because something that I've said often is like, look, how can somebody who uh, is known to be a serial wife beater still... Get you interim know. security clearance. Yeah, I mean, just like they still work. <laughs> yeah, they, you it's know, crazy. no problems. They're still idolized, and and yeah, it's like isn't oh, that it's fucked part- up though that people are so stigmatizing about porn and sex that like violence they, is totally okay. Yeah, that they or, have this weight on it. It's like more than other people who have. But that's up but, but that's ways. even true with it. But that's just part of, of American society specifically. Right. Like that violence is okay and sex is not. Like right. you, nothing is ever X-rated for violence. But then there is. But like just, way more shit should be X-rated for violence. Right. Then more for, people should have been supportive of you getting punched in the stomach. Right. <laughs> but there, well, like yeah, right. Which did hey, not yeah, happen. Good point. Which did but, not happen. Which did not happen. But asking for it. Um, like violence, we love violence. But there make was, a video game out of it. There was just this. A case in Ohio where a judge like let a guy who raped a thirteen year old girl get off on like just probation. What you know what I mean? Fuck? Like this is this is our society, mm-hmm. and and yet you feel like you could run for office. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. But uh, <laughs> is there anything you feel like you can't do because of the stigma <gasps> that you'd actually want to do? That's kind. I mean, that's kind of. I wouldn't say that I can't do because I'm a firm believer in always creating opportunities for myself. Um, but for sure, like— Or it would be challenging or something. Right. But, you know, I believe in putting the work in. And if it doesn't exist, create it. And sometimes that can be challenging because you do feel like you're in it alone. But I have a few people around me that are really supportive and that really believe in me. And I think it's, it's a self-affirmation that I continue that, like, okay, if I want it, do it. Um, but— a lot of this is just a reflection of our of our society here in America, and it's really fucked up. It's really sad. It makes me cynical sometimes because I realize we do still have so much work to do, and um, and we have to remember that we're privileged. If you look at other countries around the world, women's rights are even the doors haven't behind. even opened for women's yeah. rights. Um, yeah, yeah, so we are privileged that we get to have these conversations. We're not going to be yeah. stoned for it. I mean, not stoned like with weed. <laughs> like hot? I know. I was <laughs> like, what? We're allowed to be stoned now. What do you mean? No, I'm like such a square stone. I just think of like biblical stoning. <laughs> like that's what I mean. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about like this idea of being turned on and being excited before I would shoot a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and, par- and actually part of the excitement also came with the fact that I knew there was a camera there and that I was connecting with the camera and connecting with my audience. So when I quit, like I said, I didn't really know. I didn't plan it. It just kind of, I, I just gradually stopped. Mm-hmm. No, nor, sex off camera, I was going to say normal sex. Sex off camera changed completely. How, how, how? For the worse it, or for the better? Or? It was almost as if I had to rediscover my sexuality. It was like a second awakening. It was really cool. But That's awesome. Yeah, so there, because I was so, I had basically conditioned myself that this when I have, I have sex, sex. Th- yeah, this is how I have sex. Mm-hmm. And even though I was enjoying it, there's still this, again, like this unnatural element to it. We know it's a fantasy. And so knowing, I guess, that I had this freedom to, to quote-unquote, be me again. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not doing this. This is only for me. Yeah. And, of course, I was having sex off camera during my time in the industry. But 
Did it you was feel like different. it made it? Because some people will say, oh, it makes it feel maybe less special, like you were saying, when it becomes a chore. Or do you feel like it, it paved the way for more exciting sex? I think, well, I think when I was in it and I would have sex off camera, it was less exciting. Mm-hmm. It was actually less, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a chore, but it was like, okay, there's, there is something missing here. I'm more turned on. Because I am it. so used to. The other way. The, the other way, yeah. yeah. And So um, what do you notice as being, what did you notice as being But I also learned different? to like, you know, I also learned to be, I'm, I'm all, I've always been demanding of what I wanted, but like your, my taste changed. Like there's things that I want to learn about. Or like, hey, why haven't I, like maybe I've done, maybe I've done a lot of things that I've wanted to do, but there's also um, way less, and I hate using this word, but way less extreme things that I want to try or like, wow, touch, like that's a new sensation. This is mm. totally different. What am I, I was having different um, experiences that I wasn't used to. So I was able to kind of relearn and figure out like, okay, how can I make this work for me? And it was really, um, that's so, it was a cool time. Yeah, actually it was really, it was really different. So you feel that's like you were so able to reprogram yourself yeah. afterwards. And I, yeah. yeah, and I think it's so interesting is that when you were in the industry, you were known for going to these extremes and doing extreme things. And so so part of me was wondering, like, if, you know, always going to these extremes meant that you always constantly had to find the next new super intense thing. And it sounds like it's actually the complete opposite, that in stepping back, you were able to... I'm kind of thinking of, like, in yoga, right. where you do all these, like, crazy poses, but even if you're really experienced, you have to come back to the basics and, like, work on your warrior, too, and, like, have that solid, you right. know? Not everyone does yoga. But you well, know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, well, it was, um, I mean, my, again, I was actually, I was acting out my fantasies on camera, so I lived through a lot of things I wanted to try and experience those things So they're the like, oh, I've time. done these already. Right, yeah. right? So, but I still, that's, that was and is still part of my sexuality off camera. Um, but of course, on camera, it was a hyper me, I guess. For sure. Say. You know, that was and a. Sexuality is fluid, not only in terms of orientation, you know, to gender attractiveness, but just in terms of like kinks and preferences and what you're in the mood right. for. Over like, time if you, in you can contexts. be like a hyper submissive person for a certain point in your life and then realize later on that maybe you're a dom or, or something, anything like that, that like it's all fluid and we're all trying to find ourselves sexually. Yeah. That's so, is we there anything that waves, really caught you like off everything. guard that you were like, whoa, I really like this that you had never thought of before? I'm just curious. But you also Asking for a friend. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, kissing. Mm. Because I hadn't, I actually made a decision not to, more often than not, I didn't want to kiss people. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want to have any It wasn't about romance. No, not at all. I wanted to fuck like a man. Mm. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wanted, I wanted that. Yeah. And I wanted that ability to separate my desire from love. And for you, without kissing, the kissing fucking was really connecting. Yeah. So I feel sometimes like this, I would. But. This running joke that like sex workers think that like kissing is more personal than fucking. Oh yeah. But oh, for yeah. you, it, it sounds like it is. <laughs> but I think that I, I think that makes sense, and like maybe yeah. it's exemplified in Pretty Woman. But like, <laughs> I think there's an element oh, of that too. Like I'm not a, I'm not a sex worker. You are but Julia I, Roberts. No, I mean I'm not a sex worker per se. Sex adjacent with this podcast. Um, but, like, I know that, um, like, for me, like, if I'm just, like, fucking someone, I'm not going to have, like, a languorous makeout session. You're not making love. Yeah, they're different. Well, I think, yeah, that goes back to um, the need to really communicate about sex with each other more, and, and especially young women, um, with young women and with teenagers, with this idea that you can have a fantasy, but you should also have consent mm-hmm. and... Uh, not everything you see is real. Sometimes so let's they be masturbated real. Last, before. Last question: Do you feel like you're bored now, or always looking for like something more exciting, or have you gotten back to intellectually or sexually? The <laughs> sexually, both, both, both yeah. Because they could be connected for you, like they are for Simone, for sure. And sexually, they, no. You're um, not always looking for something new. Oh yeah, but who isn't? Yeah, but not in a not in a. I'm not bored. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, oh, I have to chase the dragon. Ah. Ooh, Stick dragon sex. Got it. Me. To pterodactyls. <laughs> <laughs> now you know um, it's there. Yeah, sometimes I get bored, like, living in this city of Los Angeles and always being consumed by the same thing. So um, it's nice. Luckily, I have the advantage and privilege to travel as much as I do for work. Mm-hmm. And that's very humbling and a reminder of how lucky I am. 
to be in this position. But yeah, of course I get not, wow, it goes, it's all, it all ties together. But there's just living here. There's so many people you meet that are uh, either hungry for fame or power. And again, like fame was never something that attracted me to anything I've done. Um, It's a consequence. And Mm. so, yeah, intellectually, I definitely get bored because I meet people and— You can see what they're trying to do. Well, no, not always even. Sometimes you think like, oh, this person, you know, we have a lot of the same interests. And then you hang out with them a few more times and you realize like, no, you just want this power or just this fame. And, yeah, that gets boring. Mm. It definitely gets boring. So, Well, we Um, hope that we um, challenged you today. And and it's nice to be around. That this was intellectually and perhaps sexually stimulating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for for joining us. I have one more tiny, super short question. I'm so sorry. I know you got a GTFO. Uh, And one profile of you that I read in LA Mag, they mentioned Philip Roth, like, very quickly. I'm a very big Philip Roth fan. Did they? And I was curious, like, what maybe you may have said about Philip Roth. I don't remember. Can you look this up? It was just like, you may talk to her about anything from Philip Roth to blah, blah. And I was like, I love Philip Roth. I was like a Philip Roth scholar and like a big nerd. And we figured out ways to to combine Philip Roth and, and kink recently. Describe. <laughs> oh, my God. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know if this is going to go into it, but we were at the AVNs. We were talking about spanking and this. We were with this guy who was like, We were with kinda, my friend from undergrad. And we were kind of like, I. this guy was kind of like, I want to The one be, outside? No. Oh, okay. Uh, I no. want to be spanked. And then we were talking about Philip Roth, and then he asked me to spank him, and he was saying that he'd only read one Philip Roth, and so I just, like, listed off Philip Roth books, and every time he hadn't read it, I spanked him. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of dirty. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's, that's why we have a podcast called Sluts and Scholars, because <laughs> that's all we do. Well, this has been so amazing, and yeah. I feel like we could have many more hours with you. So, but we know um, you have to get please, to dinner. <laughs> please come back um, if you'd yeah. like to talk about more of this stuff. And just a reminder that um, Sasha Gray's new book, The Third Part of the Juliet Society, is coming out next week on the 13th. Um, where can people find you or follow other fun projects that you're doing? Uh, the usual Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's all the same. Um, at Sasha Gray. And, Sasha Gray. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us and being so open and candid. Yeah. Um, we're really grateful to have you. Yeah. Yeah, we're so grateful to have you, dear Sasha, and you dear listeners. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and dear listeners, we're so grateful to have you. So if you want to keep finding out what we're working on, you can follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And as always, we love your emails at Sluts and Scholars at gmail.com. And if you like what you heard and you want more, make sure to subscribe and review because we love that too. And we're newly on Spotify. Check it out. Thank you.